بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين والصلوات الله وسلامه على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم لا سهل إلا ما جعلته سهلا وأنت تجل الحزن إذا شئت سهلا اللهم أعنا على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عبادتك يا رب الكريم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله it's good to be back home familiar faces and uh, stable connections and a definite dars going on, inshallah. Because obviously, there is still one common factor, and that is that Salim's still here. It shows that it wasn't his fault. It shows that it, if it goes down, it definitely is his fault. <laughs> in actual fact, in actual fact, every time we've had a catastrophic disaster in this class, Shazad Salim has been involved. I think. Has there ever been no class? That was down to me. Yes, correct. One all. What? Did you say one all? But we had ten catastrophic lesson breakdowns here in Cheadle. I'll behave. Behave. Mobile phones, 4Gs, XYZ, blah, blah, blah. Yani, beep, poor planning, right? How does it go? Where's my Lala? He's not here today, man. Lala's not here today. Lala's been off the phone, you know that? No, no, he sent me a message today. He's putting a slime on the... Did he? You know, Pirsa, by the way, he's like really on it, by the way, yeah? He's lost like, I don't know, I'm stone. He's got personal trainer. Talking about Usman, I should have, just in case there's any doubt about who I'm doing the best deal of right, right now. Uh... Staying fit and lost weight, no. personal trainer, getting cut, this, that, blah, blah, blah. What the excuse was it? Not attending dars. Not attending dars. What did he say? No, no, no. He's, 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 he's like that. He, he, he loves the complaint online, isn't he? Okay. Yeah. Anyway, alhamdulillah. How you guys doing all right, yeah? Everything's okay? You guys okay as well? Right. So, uh, where are we then? There's so much to talk about, Wallahi, I don't even know whether we should have a lesson today or not. Last couple of weeks have been madness. Just, I just, honestly, we need to speak. We need to talk, folks. We need to talk about Pakistan. We need to talk about Imran Khan. We need to talk about Pakistani cricket. We need to talk about Saudi Arabia. We need to speak about Saudi, man. What the fish is going on there, man. We need to speak about Turkey, what they're playing at. We need to speak about so many things. Anything interesting here? No. Not really. Huh? Brexit. Brexit? No, I couldn't care. <laughs> couldn't care less about Brexit. Yeah, the fools get everything what they deserve. Um, Lala? King Tata? So, uh, yeah. Check this house, relaunching. That's a big news. Scotland this Friday. And then uh, London in like, I first like uh, 30th of November or something like that or first week of December and then Birmingham after that and then uh, Toronto week after that or month after that what else is news no idea where we are in the text that's news I'm just stalling blatantly until someone actually works out where we are because I've literally got no idea because I had a whole lesson planned and I don't even know now that was last week's lesson obviously which couldn't go out 
because certain person yani, doesn't know how to drive. Yeah. Well, I don't know whether that's the reason or not, because you could blame that. You could blame the UAE authorities yani, who've worked out who we are and took our internet away, like one time smashed it. So I don't know who to blame. But alhamdulillah, anyway. Where are we? That's the most important. Wallahi, yani, I was hoping someone would. Where's my dad? My dad's given up on his class, by the way. She doesn't even yani, attend anymore. She only does parties. Huh, Jeep? Right? She only attends the parties and then sends pictures around to say that we had a LP party. She's just basically in it for the food now. That's it. But for the dars, yani, she skanked us one time. Mu'min, if, if this is Mu'min's fault, we're giving him beats. We need to find out. Is it Mu'min who's keeping any dad away? Or is it dad who's keeping Mu'min away and using Mu'min as a cover? Because you know you can't put it behind these, uh, past these Canadians. Yeah, they got moves. So that's that. What's online saying? Yeah, you come on, man. Show me my, my people online. That's some man. Folks, you know, because I can't, you see? There we go. There's Rosmina. There's Solange. How you guys doing? Shazad doesn't want me to give salam. Where's Shaf? How's Shaf? Come put, put it up, yara. Show us the people who are giving salam. There's Rafia. How you doing, Rafia? Okay, yeah. Naveed, Abida, and Mesa as well. I think Mesa was the one who caused all the fitna, Mesa, uh, all her fault, by the way. Because every single person said, you know what, do a live session, do a live, se- uh, do, no, sorry, do a recorded session, do a recorded session, you know, in the desert, sick one, moves, sand, dune, yewo, yeah, bit of beard, bit of sand, bit of natural effect. And Margiel Mesa is like, no, I want a live session. I just want a cardboard yani piece of thingy behind you and live session because it's so important for the live session. What's all that about, yeah? You know what I mean? So obviously, you know, one dissenting voice is all it takes. Mind was confused. Banda became unstable. And then I was neither here and neither there. Shazad Bajara, he got confused. And he then pulls up. We're driving on the road completely normally. In fact, actually, if you look at the video, it's not like we're stuck in the middle of the nowhere in the sand dunes. We're like literally two meters off the flipping road. <laughs> because... It's not a four-wheel drive. Car, we we said that we're gonna get. Oh la la! Oh shukam, mashallah! Ah, la la! Look, very kind of you. But uh, I just want to look at this. Yeah, look at this. He's Yes, bro. Yes, Khabib. Send location. Mashallah, tabarakallah. <coughs> we've got to speak about Khabib uh, we've got to speak about Khabib we've got to speak about who got smashed who yeah and uh, but anyway back to the point I was saying that because you know what I felt bad blaming uh, Shazad Salim and by the way you know you know, you know, if I didn't feel bad when Shazad's mum commented on the Facebook post yeah then I felt really bad <laughs> Shazad's mum saying oh dear Shazad what have you done now I thought oh my goodness I've even turned his mum against him bichara. but the reason it happened is because I didn't... We weren't sure, you see. Mesa, again, it's all Mesa's fault. And if we were going to go all in for a recorded session, then you just do it. You just do it where you are, and not a problem. But if you're thinking, eh, do we stop, it's really nice. Do we stop and just do it? Or do we keep going because she wants it done, Yani, live? So that means going back and proper... And that bit of indecision meant Shazad did not turn the wheels. Wallahi, 10, 20 seconds before we got stuck, I said, Shazad Salim, when you go onto sand... You don't drive like you're on a road. You got to keep moving, and you got to keep moving the wheel, and you got to keep moving. So what does Shazad Salim Bajara do? He goes in first gear, and keeps the wheel straight. 
and doesn't move at all. And he just goes in and it's like the most pathetic getting stuck episode ever. We literally went off the road and we just stopped. <laughs> like it wasn't like some action, some scared and the car flipped over or we literally just drives off and suddenly we're stuck. And when we're stuck, then he starts yani, turning the wheel. <laughs> and obviously that mean, dug a whole huge yani, you know, well for ourselves. Literally we could have dug for oil yani, by the time that we'd finished. So I said, Baskar Yar. Subhanallah, there's a guy, he, he hooked us up. Big oil tanker guy, stopped Sudanese guy. Mashallah, he jumps out. He goes, I'll deal with this. He sees some farm across the road, something like that. We're in the desert, by the way. And there's some guy. By the way, that guy, you know what? I think it was a pack, you know that? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I knew that you didn't know that, you see? I knew that you didn't know that. Because I don't think that some Emirati guy has got it in him to look like that, burnt from working outside. You could see he was that... He wasn't dark brown. He was burnt. You could see his skin was burnt, burnt, burnt. Dealing with camels, this, that, whatever. I said to myself, you know what? No Emirati would, would, would dream of doing this hard labor. This is some pack who's been here for 20 years who sounds like an Emirati. Anyway, my guy came, brought a rope, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I think you've seen the video. We got saved. But that was finished by then. Then we tried to get back. No, then we tried to... Re- we tried to record it somewhere else. Oh, we're in the military zone. Yeah, by the way, we could have died, by the way. We could have died. Right? That's not even exaggeration. We were in a military zone. They said not allowed to take camera out, not allowed to take a drone out, not allowed to do anything out. Military signs everywhere. Like, literally, it was like the X-Files. We're like a reached Area 51. We, could, we were in Area 52, basically. All right? And you know what? I said, the show has to go on. Kassim, ask him. I said, you know what? Sack it. Don't worry about it. We'll do it. And as we start putting the camera on, a fighter jet goes by. Second fighter jet goes by. Third fighter jet goes by. Then some civilian aircraft, fourth one. Like straight after one of... You would say one of those uh, like big bombers You know, Russian Antov, blah, blah. You know, a big dirty beast, you know, massive thing that carries all the army inside it. Yeah, that one. Then that went over. So we thought, you know, what's happening here? Then two officers of some sort, plainclothes guys, pull up in their thingy. They go, what are you guys doing? And they were like, um, what did we say? We said we're taking pictures or something. What's the problem? Oh yeah, we said, what's, what's the problem? We're facing that way. We had actually intentionally put the camera the opposite way to the military base. I go, we've got no interest in your military base. And the guy goes, listen, I'm just giving you a how I'd get out of it. We're like, Ross. You know what I mean? It's like that whole flipping Saudi consulate behavior, you know what I mean? <laughs> so then me and Shaz just, just, just no. jacked everything in the thingy one time and we got off. With about 50 flies as well. Yeah, we got hit by flies. It was like something out of Stephen King's The Flies. <laughs> Does he have the one called The Flies? No, no. Where he needs to have one called The Flies because we had the, we had the version. Is it the birds? The crows? What was that one with the, the, the birds? Yeah. yeah, the birds or the bird. Or whatever, the, you know, when you get killed by the birds. We had the fly version. And we got attacked by flies and we drove for an hour to try and do it again. And we got to a place and then it started again pitch black. We couldn't see. And then we went all the way back, Yanni, to the flat. And we tried recording there. Yanni, how many times did we try to make this death happen? And what are you guys doing? Chilling there, watching football. Yanni, drinking tea, drinking coke, having parties. Yanni, God knows, God knows what. Gathering around, have a bit of time. Yeah, dust comes, it comes. If it doesn't come, we're chilling. With us having the worst night of our lives. Worst night of our lives. And then 
and then I, 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 I got that pack Lutz yeah writing this looks like something out of the Blair Witch Project yeah <laughs> because when I, when I watched it back it was pure Blair Witch Project I thought that is the perfect description I've never seen a more apt description come in camera cuts out <laughs> this is good. there was a horror film bro anyway all to try and get you guys a bit of LP Subhanallah. Subhanallah. Oh, shut up, you. Who cares about you? Honestly, you and your little. It's a symphony on this violin that I'm playing for you. Right. Um, Pakistan was wonderful. MashaAllah, tabarakallah. Naya Pakistan. Did you see the quality of that video, by the way? Naya Pakistan. That's internet from the village, bro. From the village. 720 HD or whatever it's called. Yeah? That was that. Nicer area and all the rest of it as well. Imran Khan trying his best, Miskeen is being the thing. It's a proper Muhammad Mursi situation going on there, by the way. Everything that he's doing, all utilities being hijacked by Americans and by external Indians and God knows what. Whoever we can blame, basically, but they're being hijacked. Currency's collapsed. Bestie, okay, yesterday he goes to Saudi and he's begging them for money as well. Begging the IMF for money. Kasim bestie, yara. Bestie, 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 yara. No other option. Uh, no other option, huh? And uh, what else? And Saudi situation... I don't know what's happening there. I don't know what's happening there at all. And um, <laughs> what's that? The body double. I don't know, man. You know Trump, yeah. I told you before. I think Trump is the greatest political leader of the last I don't know how many hundreds of years. In my mind, without a shadow of a doubt, the greatest politician I've ever seen. In my life, anyway, definitely. I mean. He's smashed politics to a whole different level. Yani, for him to openly support the concept of murder in his comments, yani, thingy, he goes, it wasn't executed properly, wasn't done properly. He had no, you know, the fact that it shouldn't have been done was an afterthought. You know, it was his kind of, all oh, right, you know what, that wasn't very politically correct. So let me just correct that and say it shouldn't have been done. But actually, his whole discourse last night was like, you know, they messed it up so bad. Whoever yani, planned it in this kind of way, it was rubbish, it was a fail. Yani, basically, for him, it should have been like an American method, yani, where no one actually had any idea, any clue. Any kind of plan. And then Qasim, yani, the, 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 the situation where we stand right now, is that nothing is a joke anymore now. That's it. Everyone is now fair target in any kind of way. You know, being knocked off, being renditioned, being killed, whatever. You know, the game's changed now. Qasim, game's changed. And, you know, a lot of people who, you know, we speak to off camera, uh, you know, not in recorded or online. You guys know in groups when we go out or when we're studying, or wherever we are, you know what uh, I think of that regime and what they've been doing. And they have been an unprecedented masters at this game for years, but they never got the attention. It's only now that people have got this kind of idea that Ram and these people aren't what they, they, they you know, they were what we thought they were. They've, they've been doing this for, for donkey's years, but now they've taken it to a whole different level. whole different level. Gassan. Anyway. Uh... Alhamdulillah. Right. Any other thing from your side? Any questions we need to deal with? 
I uh, want to say to you that I think that the last thing that we did was in Pakistan, right? And I remember that I did Wala ilaha ghayruk. So if that's the case, then, and, uh, so we can either do two things. We can carry on exactly as Sheikh Uthameen wants us to carry on. You know, uh, in Pakistan, that lesson was explaining the meaning of Subhanakallahumma bihamdika wa tabarakasmuka. There was a question that was asked online, I can't remember who, maybe the Rafi'ah, I think, or Nabil, someone asked, it was a really good question, which is that, uh, how do we understand when there are multiple du'as yani, uh, narrated, do we then use multiple du'as or do it at the same time and so on and so forth? And that's a really good question. Does a plurality of narration indicate a plurality of action or does it indicate plurality of options? And there's no doubt, in my mind, it's plurality of options and that was the position of Ibn Taymiyyah as well. Simply because the Prophet ﷺ has not been uh, narrated or heard of him doing them together, like two together or three together, but rather focusing on one each time. So then the answer is, so why many different narrations? Because like I said, the different ones that you use, if you understand what they mean, they bring some meaning to your prayer. They change the game. So I told you before that we've already now understood the whole concept of making dua, but before you make dua, to praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first to get you in the right mood. So we get that. Subhanakallahumma does that. He achieves that. But what about if you want a bit more, a different kind of mood, a different type of du'a? Sometimes du'a is just pure du'a, asking, asking, asking. Another time is pure dhikr. We covered that in detail whilst we were in Shido. Sheikh Uthameen then goes into a different um, angle. He now wants to explain that, let's not forget that actually this hadith is actually in dispute. The one that, subhanakallahumma bihamdika, it's not the most authentic of hadith. And it's certainly not the most authentic istiftah. The dua al-istiftah or the thana, okay, the most authentic is Allahumma ba'id bayni wa bayna khatayaya kama ba'ad talbayn al-mashriki wal-maghrib. So, Sheikh wants to explain a little bit about that. He said, he said that, uh, and this is for people who want to follow the text in uh, Al-Mumti'ah, this is volume 3 and uh, 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 page 48 in the middle of the page. He goes, <coughs> Uh, he goes, it's been established in the Bukhari and in Muslim from the hadith of Abu Hurairah that he said, that when Abu Hurairah said that when the Prophet would say Allahu Akbar for the prayer, there would be a brief moment of silence. And so Abu Hurairah, when he noticed this, he said, Ya Rasulullah, Actually, uh, actually, Sheikh Uthameen makes a point here. He goes, one of the very interesting things about the companions is that they were always looking for any opportunity to learn. But Abu Huraira was a whole different level. You know, Abu Huraira is known as the narrator of this religion because he did. He's the most, uh, he's the greatest narrator of of hadith in our history. Most amount of narrations, most amount of information. Yani he's just, you know, number one, even above Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. And that doesn't just come naturally. Uh, he had natural ability, but the Prophet ﷺ made dua for him, but he had something else in him as well. So he's been, he's got a dua for, of the Prophet ﷺ, supporting his knowledge, supporting his yani, seeking his motivation to seek. But he also has something special himself. He had this hirs. Hirs is like... Um, Enthusiasm. And uh, Sheikh, Sheikh Uthameen wants to give an example. He goes that 
this is something that the Prophet ﷺ himself bore, bore witness because the Prophet because one time the, Abu Huraira said to the Messenger of Allah, Ya Rasulullah, who is going to be the most uh, uh, satisfied or most content of all the people with your shafa'a on the day of uh, standing, on the day of resurrection? Man and the Prophet ﷺ said, لَقَدْ ظَنَنْتُ يَا أَبَا هُرَيْرَ أَنَّ لَا يَسْأَلَنِي عَنْ هَذَا الْحَدِيثِ أَحَدٌ أَوَّلُ أَوَّلُ مِنْكِ He goes, you know what? I've been basically waiting and I never thought that any single person was going to ask me about this issue, about this hadith, except you. Except you. لِمَا رَأَيْتُ مِنْ حِرْسِكَ عَلَى الْحَدِيثِ Only because of what I see from your enthusiasm about hadith. About yani, me stating something and then you wanting to know uh, the actual truth behind it, the meaning behind it. So not only that was that his, his nature, which is something that we need to respect. And you know why do we need to respect that? Because remember again, everyone lives in different times and, and contexts. And every era has its own challenge. So back in the days, a lot of the challenges or fitting of, of an era were to do with political reasons. Okay? Uh, or... or Racial reasons, ethnic tension reasons, yani certain families vying for power, certain sects, Sunnis versus Shia, Shia versus Sunni, different yani, times of the Ummah, different uh, people. We're seeing that right now, by the way. I just want you to know that, a um, uh, 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 bit of a tangent, but it's a very relevant one. What you're seeing at this moment in time with Al Saud, um, the house of Saud, representing, if you like, mainstream Arabs, okay? They do feel at some level, some of them, whether religiously so or irreligiously, just culturally, that they're defending the Arabs. And they see the Safavid or the Iranians on the, on the right, okay? Yeah, and ready to destroy them, ready to... And there's no doubt about it that the Shia at the extreme end and those that are not even practicing but are Iranian and very proud of their Persian heritage and their pre-Islamic heritage and their post-Islamic disasters and, 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 okay? They're desperate to get rid of the Arabs, okay? So there's no doubt about how important and how real an enemy they are. But then on the other side, okay, we will look at the Turks and we'll look at Erdogan and we say, you know, he's the modern-day Urtugul or whatever he's called, this guy, yeah? Uh, You know, everyone's on this massive buzz about this kind of, you know, uh, Turkish series that's re- reviving the iman of the Muslims. And frankly, I mean, I know I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm a cynic by, 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 by nature, uh, but I'll say the same thing for Urtugul, uh, 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 if I'm saying that correctly, I don't even know. Um, and the same for uh, Habib, okay, uh, as well, who people call Habib, of course, that's yani, not correct, it's Habib, um, and the whole kind of buzz. Wallahi is coming from such an inferiority complex and such a loser mentality where we're psychologically so distraught because of defeat after defeat after defeat after massacre after defeat after catastrophe after weakness after defeat. We've seen nothing positive whatsoever. Wherever we are, we're insulted, we're abused, we're beaten, we're killed, we're massacred, we're aware the wrong immigration status, we're the wrong color, we're the wrong financial state, we're wrong everything in the eyes of wider society. And it has a wearing down effect. And so when you see someone bring any kind of izzah back or make you feel good in any kind of way, then people then grab it. And there's nothing wrong in 
in feeling happy and there's nothing wrong in grabbing onto a role model or gra- grabbing onto something positive because of desperation. But I do want people to be aware that that is actually what is happening, that we're just, it's desperation. Yani, at a moment of strength, from a position of power and honor, we would not have blinked at a person whose aim is to destroy every single muscle and, and, and bone of another person's face, Muslim or non-Muslim. It would never be supported in this deen, never will be supported in this deen, it, whether it's sport or whether it's X or Y. Unless in war, it's not permissible to do that to another person's face. UFC is the greatest outrage and abuse of sport possible. But in this current reality that we live in, where sport is obviously as important as it is to people, but more importantly, the mindset, the state of mind of the people, then any win, any little bit of good news, any glimmer of, of Izzat Yani is just jumped upon and grabbed. And, it, and I, I want you to know that if you are, and this is the irony, you see the practicing Muslims would put this argument forward, practicing knowledgeable Muslims. They'll, they'll put the argument forward that this is someone who's positive, you know, he makes a, a sajda, he says alhamdulillah, he talks a lot about this, like Muhammad Salah, he does a sajda, he does this, that, whatever, whatnot. You know these statements? These people, if, they were in a, if, they were, if these people were talking about Muslims in any other scenario, they would be calling these statements, the statements of secular Muslims. Because that's what secular Islam is. Yani, where we praise the fact that people say Alhamdulillah and pray and fast, but they don't establish any of the as- aspects of Islam. They're, they're very de- our, our major criticism against secularism is this, this division of the, the Islam that people don't like to see. Okay, so the Islam that tells us that, you know, watching that kind of stuff is haram, being involved in that kind of stuff is haram, you know, ruling by the other than the Sharia is haram, and so on. And the Islam that we do like, which is halal food and being able to pray and whatever, that very convenient, yeah, in a secular form, we would criticize in any other scenario. So when a person of knowledge and a person of whatever is saying that, you know, something like this is good, or, and I can't say anything about Urtugul because I really have no idea. I don't want to see it, don't want to know about it, but it's just another TV series where people are using the principles of TV, you know, Game of Thrones kind of hype to create their Muslim version. The 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 the, the, the and the honor and the deen of Allah will not ever be returned by using the principles of kuffar to bring the Muslims yani, back to Allah subhanahu wa taala. Never. Will it make them happy? No doubt. Will it cause uh, uh, people to be proud and you know have a little Philip, a little Philip yani, from the miserable day? No doubt. Is that a bad thing? I'll be honest with you. No, I don't believe it's a bad thing. I I, I I'm the one who advocates it myself. You know, I've been t- speaking for ages about cricket in Pakistan. People don't understand about the value of the Pakistani cricket team unless you understand what people, what life is like in Pakistan. It's just misery after misery after misery. No money, no hope, no electricity, no utilities, no nothing. And their entire dini iman moment is dependent upon a six being hit or a four or a wicket being taken. Now, who's going to, who's going to, who's going to criticize a person say alhamdulillah or being happy or being yani, religiously happy or being yani, on a high iman uh, for whatever reason. 
okay, for whatever reason, especially in Pakistan, who's going to belittle that, yani, that, that, that reality that someone's going to be happy, they win a cup, they win something, there's lots of celebration. For people who suffer so much misery, are we are the ones going to belittle that? But now let's take the emotion out of it and let's now step back and say, is, is this our deen, yani, that it was meant to recreate iman and ilm and whatever through cricket, or through the hitting of a six and a four? So what I'm saying is that in the world that we live in, our challenges of our time and, and our, our positive moments, our negative moments, are directly reflective of our political reality, our military reality, our social reality, our weakness, and so on and so forth. Likewise, in other times, they were then dealing with the political yeah, reality or them being a minority, the people of Sunnah being a minority, the people who are trying to follow the, the correct politics of taking the right side between Uthman and Ali radiya, or, 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 or the, after the death of Uthman radiallahu an, yani whether the, uh, there should have been that kind of reaction to the assassination of Umar or not, who should we have supported in the issue of Aisha and the battle of Jamal and whatever. It's about who is dominant, how do you react to that, etc., etc. All of these situations, okay, at every era, there were challenges that led to an impact upon society where their fear or their inferiority state or complex or their mindset is very, very important to be aware of when you're giving Islamic rulings and when you study and when you understand statements. And when you understand what Sheikh Uthameen is doing here, I might have gone all around the houses, but there is actually a real connection to this. Abu, uh, uh, Abu Huraira being rated by Sheikh Uthameen at that time was important because the Shia were desperate to uh, uh, remove his agency as arch reporter of the sunnah okay because once they get rid of the arch reporter of the sunnah then they start to destroy the sunnah and they allow the other people of deviancy then to have a foothold okay it's very important for abu Huraira to be criticized it's very important for abu Huraira to be abused to be insulted to find a crack in him so that we can then discount him as a person and then de facto everything that he narrates and that is how structured attacks work People who are organized and want to take society down, religions down, want to take an academic route to being able to reduce confidence in another tradition or narration, do it that way. They don't go around and do it the obvious way. In our current time, okay, similar things happen. They're not going to, like you know, the government, there's a massive difference between the British government and the American government, the way that they're doing things and the way that the Brits are doing it. And you'd be a fool to think that Donald Trump is more damaging to the Muslims than Theresa May is. Theresa May, what she has been able to insidiously do while she was in the Home Office with the support of Prevent, with the development of Prevent even further, with Yanis Sarah Khan, for example, choosing a Muslim, making it look like that we take your situation very seriously, someone who represents you, someone that you guys know, let's put her, not a non-Muslim, as the extremism czar. And, and you know, these little things that are, are happening, are being done in a way where they will then gather scholars together, look at things in an objective way, let's do research, let's now yani, start to regulate certain things, surely you have no problem with that, surely you want to protect your children. Yani, they will come in a way where you'll start to feel, yeah, the, our interests are being protected here, Our issue, this is the correct way to, to go. And likewise, Abu Huraira in our current time, and Abdullah ibn Amr al-As, in our current time, in our current context of 2018, it's very important for the feminists, secularists, and liberals to also destroy. Why? For a different reason. 
The Shia want to get rid of them because getting rid of the Sunnah allows deviation to spread, especially Shi'i de- deviation. Why would today's feminists and humanists care or secularists care about getting rid of Abu Huraira or making people believe that he's not yani, someone who was sincere or he doesn't have the skill of hadith. He's weak. He, he made a lot of mistakes or he, um, he lied, for example. He had his own agenda. Why is that very important for them to try and establish? Because these are the companions who narrate the key hadith which destroy those particular ways of life. So those people who are looking for a, for a, a shoo-in to be able to establish their own understanding of, of Islam, a modern form, a feminist form, a secular form, a liberal form, a leftist form, whatever it is, these are major barriers. If you are able to... Now, they're not going to be able to... They know. They ain't got a chance. A feminist was to come in here or a secularist was to come in here and say it's allowed to, to take a mortgage or it's allowed to eat pork, I don't know, I can't even think of what they're allowed to, whatever, but just imagine someone come in and say something here you know, she'd be laughed at he'd be laughed at and nothing would happen, especially a Muslim community that respects knowledge so much, we get a scholar that walks in, that has studied with them, studied our tradition as well, comes in and says that yeah, there's this idea that riba uh, is haram, uh, but as anyone knows, every hadith that mentions this is weak and therefore it can't be established, that entire Muslim audience, whatever they may think, they're suddenly now like a bit shocked and they're uncertain and now the doubt's been put in and they might, yeah, and from a cultural point of view, because they don't have the knowledge, so at least from a cultural point of view, they show emotion and say, rubbish, we've never heard that before, first time. It won't be an Islamic response, it will just be an emotional response. But the majority will not have the ability to say, hold on, where'd you get that from? And what's your proof? And be able to debate them. What they'll be doing though is they'll be using the fact that narrator is weak, that narrator yani, has got problems, therefore we cannot rely on this key hadith that you're using as an evidence, so let's get rid of that, and let's get rid of that, and now let's discuss. And once you get rid of this, get rid of that, then everyone's on an equal plane, and now we're now left with the issue of logic and rationale and humanism. And once you're in that arena, you'll never be able to uh, defeat in debate a person who says everyone should be equal, and everyone should have equal rights. I mean, th- these are very attractive rational, logical ideas that allow for very peaceful communities, very sensible progression, very tolerant communities and societies. How can you possibly uh, argue against that? So what I'm just trying to say is very important for you lot especially, very important as students of knowledge to understand how important it is to protect the Sunnah and the people of the Sunnah. And it was not a random thing that Sheikh Uthaymeen in the middle of the issue of Salah, he goes off on a tangent to establish the authenticity and the importance of Abu Huraira as a medium of the Sunnah, as a narrator of the Sunnah, and just to put it in our hearts. He would be doing it for a certain context and a certain reason. In our current time, more important than anything else. Very important. Because we will change our minds on any issue of modern time if the Sunnah says, that's what it should be. That's what the, the Muslim says. So if we lose those people and those statements, then everything's game. You got what I'm saying, folks? Okay. I know that was a long-winded way of explaining it, but it is so important. So with now us now knowing that the Prophet ﷺ has given the shahada, and that's the actual word that uh, Sheikh Uthameen says. Okay. So after having saying, 
I knew that you were going to be this person. And this is because of your focus on hadith, your hirsaka ala al-hadith. That's such an important statement because you know the, the academics, the orientalists, okay, those, that industry that was set up to destroy Islam from within, to put doubt amongst the Muslims that their hadith narrators were narrating from their own kind of uh, uh, desires and their own whims and for their own interests and so on. When we have this statement where the Prophet ﷺ says, but this is because of your immense concern and focus and accuracy and excellence in hadith, that's a major blow for the Orientalists because that's the Prophet ﷺ himself stating through the, the narrations of other companions, other people, that actually Abu Hurair was very careful, was very, 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 very accurate was very much an expert in this uh, area. So from an academic point of view, from a mustalah al-hadith point of view, it's very important for us to emphasize this, underline it. Anyway, just to finish the hadith, Shaykh Uthameen says that the Prophet ﷺ did respond to him. And he said that the most happiest person on the Day of Judgment with my shafa'ah will be the one who says, La ilaha illallah khalisan min qalbihi. That will be the person who says, La ilaha illallah sincerely from his heart. That will be the person who will be most happy and most content with my shafa'ah on the Day of Judgment. So it's a reminder to us, subhanAllah, of the gift of La ilaha illallah, that we should protect it like yani, we protect, I don't know what yani, you can compare it to, because it's nothing like anything that we have in the dunya. Um, so again, when he saw the Prophet ﷺ pause, and we're talking a very brief pause, <laughs> Because he knew Abu Huraira said that, you know what, he must have said something in that pause. He must have said something because there is no لِأَنَّ الصَّلَاةِ لَيْسَ فِيهَا سُكُوتٌ مُطْلَقٌ فَقَالٌ يعني, There is no period of silence in the prayer. You know, that's a big statement. You know, uh, uh, you, know you get this, asked this question. I don't know if this, uh, you've asked this question already but, or whether I've answered it or not. But you know when you're in Dhuhr, uh, or Maghrib, or Isha, behind an Imam. And um, the most easiest example is you're in Tashahud. At-Tahiyyatu Lillahi wa Salawatu wa Tayyibat. Yes? You're reciting. You know that if you're going to get up now for the third or fourth rakah, what do you all do? At Abuduhu wa Rasul. No one says Durud Sharif. Agreed? That's what you've been taught, isn't it? Everybody been taught that? Anyone been taught? Anyone not been taught that? Okay, so everyone's been... Can continue though. Wait, wait. Let's take it bit by bit. Everybody's been taught that. Okay? It's maybe not taught, but it's implied. Implied? Yeah. Um, but there's some kind of thing that in your mind will tell you that I'm not meant to go on. And actually, in some of the schools of thought, especially the Hanafi school, okay? Uh, Solange asked Hunayya. Hunayya means very slight, very basic, Okay? Um, uh, very small uh, pause. Um, so, the the uh, 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 Hanafi school, some of the imams within the school, they actually consider it impermissible, <coughs> impermissible to def- sorry, defective to impermissible to invalidation of prayer if you say Allahumma salli ala Muhammad. Okay, uh, and the reasoning behind that is because they see that yani, uh, uh, aspect of the prayer as an entire new section that if you enter into it, you change up the order of the prayer. 
It's almost like, it's a very bad example, and I'm not uh, 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 the, the best at explaining this point, but it's almost like saying, the way that some, some of the Hanafis will look at it, is that they will say, if a person was in Fatiha, and instead of going to Ruku'a, he went to Sujood, what would you say? And the idea would be that if he did that intentionally, then his prayer is invalidated. If he did it by mistake, then he has to get back up for Ruku'a, and then have to do Sajjah Sam. And that's how they see it. They see that you, when you get to Abu wa Rasulu, the next ruku' is actually Fatiha, not the sajda of Allahumma sallallahu Muhammad. Does that make sense? Like if you were to now go into Allahumma sallallahu you've kind of jumped the order. The next thing in order is that, not that. So in any case, it's an argument. It's an argument, okay? The argument against it, the, the majority of the scholars, they just said that uh, no, you don't carry on, you just wait, and if you carried on, then you know, you've not messed up anything because the Imam is protecting you. Now, that is a bit of cheap fiqh, to be honest, okay? It's a bit of an easy get out. I mean, it's amazing that praying behind a jama'ah that the Imam always protects you. What does that mean, by the way? One of the blessings of praying in jama'ah is that any individual mistakes you make will never be able to put you in a scenario and invalidate the prayer because that's the reason the Imam is there, he covers for everything. It's awesome. Okay, if you forgot everything, you messed up everything, you don't do a sajda to sahm yourself, right? In a jama'ah, it's not possible. So all mistakes are swallowed. That's why you should always pray jama'ah. Not just for the reward. People miss this point here. People are thinking just a 27 times reward. Actually, it's such a result for you, especially if you're poor at praying, right? It's a covering. It's a blessing. So, anyway, I just want you to know... Um, I follow the opinion, which is not very well published from the scholars, that it's permissible to carry on reciting. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad. Allahumma barak ala Muhammad. And even carrying on until the Imam says, Allahu Akbar. Alright? I want to remind you that you, a lot of people when they study this, what they forget, because they're assuming, what's happened to this Imam? Yani, what's, 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 what's going on? Why is this delay? Like half hour later, right? Okay? And I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. That's because in your mind, you're programmed, yani, that there's only at-tahiyyatu lillahi wa salawatu wa tayyibat. But this is one of many tashahudat. Alright? That tashahud is different narrations, different lengths, different du'as, different variations on at-tahiyyatu lillah. It's very possible that your imam is reciting slowly. It's very possible that he's actually reciting a couple. It's very possible that he's reciting a longer one. Right? Anyway, the point is, is that I believe, like what Sheikh Uthaymeen is indicating from how Abu Huraira understood, that there is no such thing as silence in the prayer. Yani I do not believe that you should say, Abuduhu wa Rasulu, and then just sit there and wait and wait and wait for the Imam to say it. And I remember Sheikh Ihlan long time ago when I had a debate with him about this. We went back and forth, back and forth. He mentioned a point which up and now, 20 years later, I've still not seen a good refutation for. He said, the prayer, وَأَقِمْ salata لِذِكْرِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. Establish the prayer for my dhikr. Right, okay. Establish the prayer for my dhikr to, so that I can be remembered. And how do, how do we remember Allah? Did I do the dhikr process, one, two, three? Did I do it in LP or have I done it in a class? I think I did it in a class. That dhikr, right, is a three-stage process, right? It's perception, 
reflection, expression. Have I not done that in LP? No. An Umrah group. Right, okay. So just a quick so that you understand what I mean by that. It's perception, reflection, expression. You walk into a room, you see a great gathering of people like this, right? You see that gathering of people, they're either going to make you angry, upset, happy, or whatever, okay? So, uh, so for my example, I walked in, see a gathering of people, I become happy, I became happy, and that happiness was, uh, was perception, okay? There are some people that it would ignore the gathering altogether. So they would not have perceived it in any kind of way, any kind of real way. They would not have perceived it. I hope, you make, I hope that makes sense. The second stage would then be reflection. So the perception is now turned into something. So I'm happy, but why am I happy? I think to myself, subhanAllah, that from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that he's gathered all these people, they could be there, you know, there's Champions League night, there's a big game on Barcelona, Inter, there's people who are busy, there's ex, there's so many different things, but they decide to come to the masjid, and they decide to come to listen to some knowledge, and I will get some reward for it as well. That's the second stage done, and it was a real positive next step from a perceived reality. But what is so essential is to finish it off, which is the third stage, which is expression, which is what we all understand from dhikr, and that's when you say subhanallah, or when you say alhamdulillah, right? It's a result from a stage process. You get what I'm saying? So I could have seen, uh, uh, this applies to all dhikr. It's like the dhikr of going out the house, or when you return back into the house. Bismillahi, yani, uh, w- w- whatever dua you use for any moment, even dua is safar. Okay, I, I see a video yesterday, uh, uh, somewhere someone sent it or whatever, about a guy who's uh, uh, driving, it's called driving with a Pathan father or something. And basically every second he just keeps getting smacked yani, on the head. Yeah, when he gets in the car, he got smacked for not putting his belt on, he gets smacked for not doing this, he got smacked for not doing that. And then when he thinks he's done everything absolutely right and he's about to set off, yeah, and he proper, I mean, he's put the car in and he's checked everything and he's back. Then he gets smacked again because he didn't say, Do I suffer? Right? Okay, fair enough, isn't it? Yeah? So he didn't say, Do I suffer? But what I'm trying to say to you is there are hundreds of millions of people out there, Muslims, who will get into a car and won't think of Do I suffer at all. At all. It's not even in their thought process. Does that make sense? I want to say to you that the person who gets into the car and thinks, I should make a dua. Do I suffer, but I don't know it, has done dhikr but not got the full reward. And that person is a million miles ahead of the person who wasn't even thinking about. So I want you to understand, don't belittle the concept of perception, don't belittle the concept of reflection, and certainly don't belittle the concept of expression. Because there'll be people who can't even think about Dua Safar. There'll be those that think about Dua Safar, but then say, ah, it's not important anyway. And they didn't even get stage two. There'll be those that will, th- will think about it, will say, man, I wish that I could do this. And they say, ah, yes, I went and bought that uh, uh, thing. You know, when I went to Pakistan, uh, th- I said, I'm not getting you one. I did. That little thing that you connect to the car ignition. I did, Yara. I got you one. And I got, I bought five back, that's why. I don't know I got you one, and I can't remember who I gave the others to. This was a thing, this was 2006, that they were selling in Mingora Market, okay? And it's a little speaker with a unit inside, 
with two wires that connects inside the ignition, the, the, the steering column to the ignition uh, 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 thing. So, no, no, this is deadly, bro. Because what happens is that you can't now forget. The second you turn the car on, the current goes to the speaker and it starts saying, Do I suffer? The speaker. Right? I got you, Yara. <laughs> no, you, didn't, you never gave it to me. You never gave it to me. <laughs> Anyway, I bought five. All I know is I bought five, and I said I'm going to give that to the people. But anyway, the point is, is that that is going to be two out of three. Yeah, you didn't know what to say, but at least I'll, I'll hear it in some kind of way. And that three out of three is that you took the effort, you did memorize the dua, and then you said it as well. Do you understand? That is a, a moment of dhikr. And that is why it's called dhikr. A lot of people might be thinking, why is dhikr called dhikr when you say subhanAllah, but its meaning is remembrance? Because the remembrance happens in the perception and reflection stage. That you perceive that, you know what? That's something. Then you connect it to Allah, which means you remembered Allah in that scenario. And many people don't think about Allah at all. Allah is not relevant in their lives. So why would you then think when you get into a car, I've got to make dua safar when Allah doesn't matter to you. But if Allah matters to you, then you know that it's important that this journey happens with His protection. That's why it's a dhikr. Does that make sense? But to get the full reward, we then say it as well upon the tongue to, to, to secure it. What was the point I was trying to make? Sheikh Ihlan was saying, okay, that if the salah has been established for dhikr, how can it possibly be argued that no dhikr is better than more dhikr in the prayer? I.e. to be silent at a, at a place where you've got to it first before the imam has stopped before the imam has, has moved on, you're just going to stand there? You're just going to wait? The same, in, for example, in the first rak'ah of, Mag- of Asr, you recited, Qul Hullah Ahad, for example, but the imam himself, he's reciting, uh, I don't know, uh, Nazi'at, for example. That's yani, going to be four, five, the length of the time of what, what are you going to do? You're going to be quiet? You shouldn't be quiet at all. If you want to, if you're big on the issue of order, of the Quran, then you should now recite, Qul Falaq. And then, if it's not, are we not done yet? If you're big on order. We learn, of course, though, that order is not an obligation when it comes to salah. And so therefore, once you've done your qul ahad and you realize, actually, my guy's on a long one, yeah? Go back and recite from Ali Imran. Go back and recite from An-Nisa. Go back and recite Alif Lamim. Yani, you should recite. Now, there are some people that say, you can't do that. We say, what's your evidence you can't do that? You, this is an area of the prayer for Qur'an. It's a part of the prayer for Qur'an. And you're saying that I don't recite? You hear what I'm trying to say? So, uh, 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 I just want you to know that Abu Huraira's statement indicates indirectly that this is what the companions were upon as well. They did not believe, or they did not, they did not understand the existence of a concept of silence in the prayer. Isn't Make, that yeah. That's a portion of the prayer where you can just kind of freestyle. I agree that it's different in terms of its legal ruling. There's no doubt about that. The point I'm trying to make is is Abu Huraira's suspicion. What was it that made him question what should happen right now? What was it? Why did he think that there's something more to this bit of silence? 
He didn't ask that for the end of At-Tahiyatulillah. And he didn't ask that because he knows, like I've just said to you, that he would recite Qur'an. There wouldn't be any silence. There wouldn't be any silence. So that's what Shaykh Uthameen is trying to say, that it indicates indirectly the concept that the, the, Quran, that the Salah, if a period of silence presents itself, you fill it up with something. You fill it up with some dhikr or qira'ah or whatever, whatever is appropriate. Like, I just want you to know, this is very important for us to learn and teach to other people. There are people out there that literally believe, packs mostly, and probably majority of Muslims, that you don't say anything other than Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la, Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la, Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la, no more than three times, no other words. Which is insane. Which is insane because, yani what I mean is that the silence crowd would probably be the three Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la crowd. There's a commonality there. Whereas the crowd that understands that there is no silence in the prayer, it's all about making zikr. When they're in that sajda, they are smashing it out. Lots of other dua, lots of other tasbihat, numbers 7, 9, 11, keep going, keep going. And that's an attitude which carries itself to the rest of the prayer, no silent periods. Whereas the reverse attitude, I think, is the case. And that's anecdotally speaking. Osman. Um, Yep. At, uh, at, uh, at, uh, Allah, at, uh, you don't say Durud Sharif. Correct. That. Uh, kind of, yes. So Usman is basically saying that, you know, especially Pax, we were taught that when you're in the last raka'ah, you've joined the jama'ah, okay, and you're, you've joined in the last sitting. And you're going to have to get up now and pray for. When the Imam is now saying Attahiyatulillah and clearly saying Allahumma salli Muhammad and about to say Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, you, you actually only go up to Attahiyatulillah, Abduhu wa Rasul, and you pause and you just wait. And it's a similar principle. And that's why the Hanafis have this idea. They, they consider the Durud Sharif the final straight. That you don't enter it basically until you're actually entering it. Yeah. Just keep going back on that. Again, it, it goes back to that example that I was saying uh, about the idea of ruku and sujood. They see Allahumma salli ala Muhammad as the final straight. That you shouldn't enter into that. Almost like, you know, one of the, you know, the, the example I can give you is the airport, Manchester airport. You know, when you get to that, uh, those three doors, those irritating, world's most irritating flipping doors ever. The ones that open up like that and you've got to put your body into all kinds of shapes to try and get your bags through in one go. Once you go through those boys, you can't come back. They're opening that way, right? Huh? You can't come back. That's how their understanding is. Once you've entered into Allahumma Salli, you have to now continue and you have to e- exit the prayer. And if, you, and if you don't exit the prayer, that's why they make you do Sajjah Sahib. Would we say that we have to do it if you entered in unintentionally? So, so the, rest, the, the vast majority of the scholars, they say that if a person enters the prayer at any stage, they say whatever needs to be said. There is absolutely no evidence whatsoever that if you were to enter into the prayer in the fourth rakah, sitting down behind an imam, he's leading, that you would only stop at Allah, you know, Abdul Rasul and not carry on. Actually, actually, that is as good or not good, whatever the right phrase is, as not saying anything. You might just sit there and say nothing then. You've, you've joined the prayer, you didn't say it properly anyway. So either say nothing or say it all. But uh, do you get what I'm trying to say? It's more sense to say nothing, to 
to just sit there and wait for Imam to say, Salaam alaykum wa rahmatullah, then I stand up and I'll just carry on the prayer. That actually has more logic, as well as the other position, which is to just recite everything that you possibly can. These two positions are logically supported, as opposed to the one which they're saying, which is, you only say, Abtu Abu Duhu Rasulu, and you don't enter into the final. Correct. Default without evidence would be to carry on or to say nothing. Because you're not in your second rabbi. Because you're not in your second. You're not. You're not in. Uh, you are either in the fourth, and you got to do it again, or you're in nothing. There are some scholars, by the way. Remember, there's some scholars actually said we're jumping the gun here, but they said that in the rules of the jama'ah that if you miss the fourth ruku'ah, you've missed the prayer. So, like, there's. Their argument is is that there's no reward or no meaning to joining an imam before he says Islam alaykum rahmatullah. They basically and that's why you'll see some people if they see someone sitting down they'll just stand at the back and they won't join. They'll say ah oh, it's gone. We're going to establish our own jamaah. That's definitely not the sunnah. The majority are against that. But I just want you to be aware that that is a scholarly, well-supported opinion. What if you bring it on your own? You're in your second round and you jump the gun and you enter. Yeah, so that, that's, that's where the Hanafis yani, make it interesting, okay? So the question is, is that what if a person is praying by himself, okay? Praying by himself, dhuhr, and he is now in the second rakah. He said, abuduhu wa and mindlessly he's gone on to Allahumma salli ala Muhammad, wa ala ali Muhammad, okay? Then he does like a few words of that, and he goes, hold on, I've still got two more rakah. Then he stands up. Now this for the Hanafis is a major mistake that has to be said to at the end. And here you can actually see now where the whole argument comes from. This is the example that you use to see why they said you should be quiet. Because actually a lot of scholars will agree with them here. They'll say that the next thing here genuinely was to stand up and you have jumped into the wrong area. Okay? Sheikh Albani, this is now getting controversial. We shouldn't do this right now, okay? To be honest, we shouldn't. Because we're doing it kind of half-hearted. But I put this out in advance of when we come to this lesson, which is only probably a few months away actually. Okay? His argument and the argument of a number of fuqaha is that there is no evidence that you stop at Abu Duhu wa Rasulu in second rakah. And that is a shot. And actually, when you go through the hadith, it's fascinating that there is actually an argument to support that. That in actual fact... It is quite okay for a person in the second rakah of a prayer, of a three or four unit prayer, to go all the way. Allahumma salli, Allahumma barik, Rabbi ja'alni, Allahumma inni dhulam fi nafsi, and then stand up and say, Allahu Akbar. There's actually good evidence to support that, and we'll come to that in this right time. So that, of course, would then put shot to that idea of there being a problem. But the majority do and are not happy that you jump into Allahumma Salli because they consider that to be an independent rukun of the prayer, a pillar of the prayer, which will come to inshallah. Anyway, so uh, uh, Abu Huraira then asked the question, um, This uh, little gap of silence between the takbir and recitation, what do you say? What do you say? <clears throat> so that indicates, as Uthameen said, that he knew, or he, he was very confident that the Prophet ﷺ was saying something. That's another point, by the way. 
That's another point. Remember the whole discussion that we said about how loud you should recite? Remember? And we had this you know, discussion about the class position. And the humbly said that you've got to be able to hear yourself. What did Sheikh Uthameen say? He said there's no evidence that you've got to be able to hear yourself. When you recite, that it's got to be... You know what I mean? You know, we said that there's a position. There is an actual physical position where you recite, but you can't hear yourself. But you know that you're reciting. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah? Like, like now... I 100% recited that. Like 100%. And I didn't hear myself and you didn't hear me. Now according to the vast majority of scholars, that is not a valid... That's an invalid tira'ah. And especially according to Hanbalis. We covered this like what? A couple of months ago? Was it last year or what? Was that this year? Yeah. Uh, whereas the Earth Amin... His argument is there's no evidence for that as long as you are reciting, as long as you're not reciting in your head. And I think all of us know when you're reciting in your head. Yeah? And you're not articulating. Articulating is important. Articulating is important. Is That's the condition. Anyway, so I'm just saying that maybe this uh, hadith is a little kind of uh, indirect evidence or support for the idea of articulation without sound. Because Abu Huraira couldn't hear and wasn't sure, but he was, he was just confident that the Prophet ﷺ was reciting. Or maybe he could be used the other way and says maybe he heard something. I don't know. Anyway. Um, but then if he heard something, he would have said this cup of silence. Huh? He would have said this cup of silence. He wouldn't have said this cup of silence. Uh, uh, yeah, good. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, you're right. You're right. He would have said, what have you been saying? Correct. What have you been saying? What is it that you are saying in this gap of silence? Ahsan. Well, well done. That's, that's correct. That's good. If you said to him, silence, then he can't hear him. Anyway, the Prophet ﷺ, he didn't say, are you silent? <clears throat> Subhanallah. Shaykh Uthameen says, what's interesting is that he knew that he was reciting something, but he couldn't hear him. So it was silence. He didn't say to him, Hal anta sakitun? He goes, are you silent? He said, what are you reciting in this moment of silence? Which is very different from, are you silent? And Nabi ﷺ said, I say, I say, Allahumma ba'id bayni wa bayna khatayaya kama ba'idta bayna al-mashriq wa al-maghrib. And, uh, and then, uh, uh, okay, so, so Sheikh wants to explain what that means. So, Allahumma ba'id bayni wa bayna khatayaya. Wa ma'anahu anahu sa'ala allaha an yuba'id baynahu wa bayna khatayahu. So he asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at that moment, to distance him and his sins. To make a distance between him, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and his sins. To push yani, that propensity to do it, the reality of it, just keep that massive distance between us. كَمَا بَعَدَ بَيْنَ الْمَشْرِكِ وَالْمَغْرِبِ Just like Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala put the, the East and the West at such extremes, then do the same between that and that وَالْمُبَعَدَ بَيْنَ الْمَشْرِكِ وَالْمَغْرِبِ he goes that it's not possible to put two things on two opposite. It's not possible to make two things further away. Which actually, if you think about it, is correct. It's the most extreme. You can't say anything further than the east or further than the west. It means two opposite ends. And so the most extreme example of distance has been used by the Prophet ﷺ in talking about sin. In talking about sin and about how far we should stay away from sin and about our attitude to sin. Okay? Um... And Sheikh Uthameen, he said, he said that uh, 
which makes me smile because this is yani, the only Urdu that I know. He goes that when people uh, yani, talk about distance and they want to exaggerate distance, they only use two directions. East and west and heavens and earth. Correct. Zameen Asman, yes? So Zameen Asman, heaven and earth, and east and uh, west. And subhanAllah, that, that's, uh, that's, that's across all cultures, right? All languages, all ethnicities. I don't think it gets... I mean, in English, it got chalk and cheese, right? But that's difference as opposed to distance. But even heavens and earth is also difference. Used a lot. It's not used so much for distance, right? More for difference. Yeah, interesting. I think east and west is more for distance. And heavens and earth is more for difference. Right? What do you say in Urdu for east and west? Or distance? No. No, no one says Zameen Asman. That's why we all say Zameen Asman Farak. Difference. You don't use, we don't in our culture use heaven and earth for distance. So what do we use? What do cultures use for east? For difference or distance? Distance. What do we culturally use? In English we use east and west, don't we? A little bit. I don't know, actually, it's interesting. That anyway. So anyway, the most important point is that when you say Allahumma ba'id bayni wa bayna khatayaya, what you're basically asking for is Ya Allah, make the likelihood of me committing sin, yani so far away from me that as humanly possible. Number one and number two. This is so important. Wa ba'id bayni wa bayna and, and protect me and keep the punishment of those sins away from me. So the propensity to do it and the consequence of the sin, keep that away from me as far as possible. Then you, he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said, Allahumma naqini min khatayaya kama yunaqqa thawb al-abyadu min al-danas. And here, هذه الجملة تدل على أن المراد بذلك الخطايا التي وقعت من لأنه قال نقني منها كما ينقى الثوب الأبيض من الدنس أي كما يغسل الثوب الأبيض إذا أصاب الدنس فيرجع أبيض وإنما ذكر so here what's interesting about this sentence the first one was a theoretical one the second one is based upon the assumption that the sin has occurred so this is the Prophet ﷺ making a dua to save and protect him from the sin that he has done now obviously we know that the, 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 the Prophets their sins are not they are they are protected from major sin. They are protected from even yani, the propensity to sin. But they make decisions that are maybe not... They sometimes make decisions that are flawed or that are human and that have not been given divine protection. And that is yani, what we consider to be a mistake or a sin, a poor decision. A decision which we would look at, the poor decision chosen, and consider it to be the greatest decision ever at the normal human level. But at the prophetic level, more is expected. So this dua... The Prophet ﷺ is indicating, one, that the sin has occurred because proof of that, Just like a white thobe, a white robe, okay, is cleaned from denis, which is indicating that it's been dirtied. Okay, so the assumption, as Uthameen said, that the sin has occurred. The sin has occurred. And the whiteness is mentioned because you could have said the the the, the thob. Yeah? Just like the thobe is clean from dirt, 
But the Prophet ﷺ said, the white thobe is clean from dirt to show the extreme clean nature of the thobe, which would then become dirty or look dirty with the very, very least amount of uh, effort. Yeah, and the impact of sin. That's what the Prophet ﷺ is em- emphasizing, that sin is something which becomes very, very apparent because even though we can't see it, even though we can't see it. Um, and then he uses something which I know very well. I like this one. He goes, because you know, all of us know that white shows dirt yani, very easily, uh, unlike black. And that's why yani, in the winter times, uh, we wear the black thobes. And yani, we can wear them for a month or even more. And I say, Sheikh Uthameen, I wear it in the summertime for a month or even more. And that he, at least he said, yani, in wintertime. Yeah? Yani, you know what I mean? So... He goes, <laughs> I love this. He goes, like an abiyat, la yabqa usbu'an. He goes, yani, a white thobe is not going to last a week, is it really? <laughs> and you pack these, yani, would, I think, I think Atif, I think, changes his, what, twice a day? Yeah? Upper class people, you know how it is, yeah? Whereas, basic people like me and Bob's, we keep it going, yani, for weeks, mate. Weeks. Weeks. You know me, I will put, I'll put a thobe into my bag. Yeah? Pack it. Right? And, so I took a thobe to Hajj. And it's in my bag. I don't bother taking it out. I might wear it and fold it back up again. Then wear it in Pakistan and fold it back up again. I ain't taking that baby out. And I'm not washing it either. Ask and it keep going until it dies. Black, innit? Shekhar Tamim told me there. And look, he says, yeah, in a month or more. Winter as well, innit? Winter as well. What are you guys hating for? Sunnah, brother. <laughs> so, and then he said, Allahumma ghasilli min khataya bil ma'i wa thalji wal barad. Um, so then Ya Allah wash me from my sins with water with snow with hail or with ice okay um, and what does that indicate this is something interesting it indicates that the first sentence was keep me away from even doing sin okay Keep me away from even doing sin, even thinking about sin, even getting close to sin. And it, the, the, the sinners yani, who are there, they find this very interesting uh, in that they've been chatting all the way. You know, these little three rats at the back, yeah, and we're going to slap them so bad. Yeah? Yeah, you see these three rats there? Yeah, give me some chappal, yeah. Where's my chappal? Yeah? Chatting from the beginning to the end, yeah? You got to... We might, no, no, don't take the phone. I'll chop a butter one, butter. So I can do some damage. Huh? My choice. <laughs> My choice. I've seen the advert everywhere, by the way. Anyway, so the second, first one is keep me away so, from sin so that I won't even think about it. I won't even possibly fall into it. And then the second, and then the second sentence, but if I do do it, so if I do do it, then like, uh, uh, pur- purify uh, me from it or cleanse me from it. And then remove any single possible trace of effect of that sin. So let me not do it. If I do it, then, then uh, protect me from it, purify me from it, the sin. And then third, any impact and consequence of the sin, get rid of that in any possible way. With water, 
with X, with Y. So there's a, a, a triple statement said where one is enough, but the second is said, which is the same thing, and the third thing is said, which is the same thing, because water, snow, ice, it's just a level of exaggeration. Indicating something, not lack of understanding, but actually the opposite. Indicating to us, because clearly the whole thing is a metaphor. The entire dua is a metaphor. So if it's a metaphor, then you just need to say one, and that's it. It's not real anyway, right? But to read again and again and again is to clearly emphasize what we're missing, which is that there are impacts upon sin. A lot of people, you know, they might turn around, like, you know, uh, uh, you might be wanting, to, I don't know, uh, uh, attracted to girls or something like that, and then you do certain actions to keep yourself away. You take them out of your, your uh, company. But you might have their contacts upon your, their phone, your phone, okay? You might have seen someone, you might have called someone or whatever, whatnot, and then you're still keeping their phone number or you're still maintaining some kind of connection. You haven't deleted the app, for example. You haven't, you know what I'm trying to say? There are certain things that you make and do, which is haram and has an impact, but then there are other things which are maybe halal by in of themselves, but the, that halal reality is from the consequence of the sin. You're not seeing it. You're not recognizing the consequence, the impact. Because we don't think holistically. We don't think, yani, what happens when you go out. You know, like a person says, I'm going to go out to, to, for a meal with certain people. Okay? And going out to meal is halal. And going with a group of people is halal. But in that gathering, you're hearing certain things which are not maybe out and out haram. But they're not yani, ethical. They're not the right thing to be listening to, whatever. And maybe you, at that moment, are giving up on a circle or jama'ah or dhikr or X, Y, Z. And it will be from your sin that you will continue to find positivity in that circle and keep going and keep going. And slowly and slowly, you will start to be drifting away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His dhikr. The consequence of sin is something we never see. But it is very, very important. It's very, very important. It's insidious and it sometimes yani, impacts us in ways that we don't know. So... He said, um, And Sheikh Uthameen, he goes and he says, it's very possible, we know that water definitely purifies. Everyone recognizes that things become clean by, by water. But no one cleans anything with snow and with ice. But this is where the Prophet ﷺ is now not talking about the cleaning, but the consequences. Now someone tell me, what do you think yani, is the meaning therefore? If the Prophet ﷺ is focusing on the consequence of sin. The what? The heaviness of the sin. No. The required purification. No. If we said protect us, cleans us, then what is the what is the possible function if after water is cleaned it? But we're talking metaphorically about the consequence of sin. So what could the secret be by using the word snow and ice? Covering it. Covering. Did you say? Yes. Covering it. No. Although that could be possible. That could be possible. There's something far more obvious. And what does that mean? Correct. It's the, it's the, antithesis, the antithesis of punishment of the fire. The sin represents the fire. The sin represents the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And ice is what cools it down. Snow is what cools it down. Yeah, and the, the, he said, that the consequence of sin is being punished in the fire. And if you want to cut down and smash down the heat, you throw upon it cold. And the water is for the purification. And a thalj wal bard here, 
It's to refrigerate, to freeze the situation, to cool it down, to protect you from the burning circumstance. This is, the Shaykh Uthameen says, this is the meaning of the hadith of Abu Hurairah radiallahu an, and all that's left for us now is to ask, ask the question, is it possible that the Prophet can sin? هل الخطأ يقع من النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم الجواب الجواب the answer the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said wash me from my sins so he associated sin or mistakes خطاya to himself and in the other hadith he would say اللهم اغفر لي ذنبي كله دقه وجله وأوله وآخره وعلانيته وسره this hadith is narrated by Muslim in the in chapter of Salah, hadith number 483. The translation, O oh Allah, forgive me for my sins, all of them. The uh, small of them, the large of them, the first of them, the last of them, the open of them, the private of them. I'm sure you can translate that better. In public and in private, obviously, the better. But, but you get my point, okay? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَاسْتَغْفِرْ لِذَنْبِكَ وَلِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَالْمُؤْمِنَاتِ In Surah Muhammad, which yani, the missus was saying yani, is the difficult, most difficult surah in the Qur'an, outrageous claim. The most easiest surah in the Qur'an to memorize after Qul Hullah Ahad. Outrageous to claim that's so difficult. Astaghfirullah. Isa, how difficult is it, Surah Muhammad? Out of all of the surahs. Easiest. Because it has so many unique ayat that don't occur anywhere in the rest of the Quran. In terms of the mutashabihat. Anyway, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And seek forgiveness for your sin. لِذَنْبِكَ Allah is speaking to Muhammad sallallahu in the surah that he called Muhammad. Okay? Um, and he said, And seek forgiveness for your sin and for the believing men and for the believing women. That's what Allah says in the Quran. And also Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لِيَغْفِرَ لَكَ اللَّهُ مَا تَقَدَّمَ مِنْ ذَنْبِكَ وَمَا تَأَخَّرَ In Surah Al-Fatih. That, so that Allah may forgive you for that, from the sins that you have done before and that which may occur. Okay? So these are the facts on the ground. So what do all these verses mean? What do these verses mean? وَلَكِنَ الشَّأْنِ كُلَّ الشَّأْنِ هل الذنوب هذه تبقى أم لا؟ الجواب الجواب. So Sheikh Atamin basically said it's clear that the Prophet ﷺ can quote unquote sin, make mistake. The question is, is, and that's why mistake is the right word and not sin, because a mistake is something that happens like that, but sin is when it repeats itself. See, everyone can make a mistake. Everyone makes a mistake. Yes, kids, are you listening? Yeah. Everyone can make a mistake. You're not held accountable for your mistakes. Sin is when it's continuous and repetitive. That's when you're falling into sin. Right? When people yani, keep doing it again and again and again, not making the right attempts to try and fix it, just all lip service saying that I'm doing, but not actually making an effort to change. To change. Yeah? So, that's why Sheikh Uthameen says... He says, does this continue? Does it remain like this? Does he continue along this path? All right? And he says, absolutely no. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is ma'asum. You heard this phrase, ma'asum, yes? Ma'asum, yani, comes from a'asama. Yani, to be protected. Okay? Uh, to be in armor. To be kind of, you know, completely. And uh, uh, it means innocent. 
You know, in, I, I don't know, do you guys in Urdu call child masum? Yeah? yeah? Huh? <coughs> yeah, masum, yeah. We make the sad like a sha. Masum. What are you trying to say? Astaghfirullah. <laughs> you see that? I just want to remind you that your new president. Yeah. That's what he said. Astaghfirullah. So the Prophet ﷺ is protected from continuing in sin or continuing in mistake. Yani being established in mistake. And he's forgiven, unlike others. For others sin. And they can continue in sin. And they continue in disobedience. And they may not be forgiven as well. So that's the, the difference with the Prophet ﷺ. He doesn't continue with a mistake. A mistake happens, it happened, that's it. It doesn't happen again. And he's forgiven for everything that he done, whether mistake or sin anyway. Whereas human beings, normal, we cannot stop, we continue, and we, it's possible that we don't get forgiven. It's possible that we don't get forgiven. Um... And as for the Prophet ﷺ, then it's an absolute must that he will be indicate, it will be indicated to him uh, whenever that situation occurs as well. That's the other thing. He's never left to continue on it. It's like he doesn't even get the chance to continue almost. That's how he's protected. That's why when he made a mistake, Ya ayyuhan nabi, lima tuharrimu ma ahallallahu lak. Right? In uh, Surah Tahrim, uh, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Oh Prophet, why do you make that which is haram? Why do you make haram that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made halal for, for you? Yani seeking just to keep your wives happy. Just for the sake of your wives, you're about to do that. And Allah is all forgiving, all merciful. So that's yani, the issue. This is the end of the matter in this discussion that a lot of people have a little, lots of debates about. Uh, uh, but there's no doubt. Also, it's very important to know that. And he just wants to make sure that, because there is a debate. About what does it mean? No, you can't dare say that about the Prophet Sallallahu And that was a problematic thing as well. Because he's not an angel and he's not any superhuman. He is a human. The whole strength of his message and the, the appeal of the sunnah and the man himself, Ali, after Sallallahu is the fact of his, of his humanity. Of him recognizing moves, mistakes, repentance, forgiveness. That's what makes him who he is. So it's important not to lose that. If he becomes perfect, then that's lost. Okay? But at the same time, so we don't go to the extreme to also say, yeah, yeah, he's human. He's like one of us. You know what I mean? He's one of the, one of the boys, one of the brothers. You know what I'm trying to say? He's one of the Muslims. No, no, he's not. It's not possible for him, as Sheikh Thameen says. Uh, for example, he cannot lie. Never lied, cannot lie. It's not possible to attribute to him lying. And likewise, treachery. Not possible that he did it or that uh, it could happen by, by mistake. So significant sins, significant sins, if that's a word, I don't know. Um, and that would, because obviously if he, if he did that, then that would destroy the prophethood. If he lied once, as you all know, you lie once, it's, it's game over. Yani it's finished for you. You will always, no one will ever be able to have the confidence in what you're saying because you've been on record and lied once. So, you know, uh, that's it. So it's impossible. It's actually aqidah for us that the Prophet ﷺ cannot lie, or ever lied, or fell into kathib, or khiyana, because then we have a valid reason not to accept his prophethood. You get the point? And the prophethood has to be protected. Yeah, it has to be protected. Um, so, with that, 
لكن الخطايا التي بين بينه وبين ربه هذه قد تقع منه ولكنها خطايا صغيرة تكفر وقد غفر الله له ما تقدم ذنبه. So what we're going to say in conclusion is that these mistakes were very small mistakes and they were insignificant and they were forgiven. Um, we said that uh, we're saying that Sheikh Uthameen says is because some of the scholars they said that whenever the Prophet ﷺ described yani, himself uh, with sin, he was referring to the sins of his ummah. The reason we're making this statement is because there are people that are mentioning sins of their own sins to be the sins of the his never was it referring to his own sin, but rather the sin of his ummah, not him, because he doesn't sin. And every single mistake that is attributed to him, then it is the mistake of his ummah. And Shaykh Uthameen says, there's no doubt about it that this is weak, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Seek forgiveness for your sin and for the believers. And it is very, very clear that this form of structure of sentence is very much يعني, about uh, 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 him separating the, the, the two, and that this is his responsibility, and that's the believers. And as, as I said before, Never is it possible that to make mistake or these small sins affect the quality of the Prophet ﷺ or yani, his honor or his integrity because of the, the reasons that we mentioned uh, before. And um, this is something which is also good. And he goes, let's also not forget, and this is something which is a very, very important the positive reality of sin. And by that we mean small sin and mistake when done properly. What do I mean by done properly? Everyone makes a mistake and everyone makes a sin. But if you are sincere and you repent from that sin genuinely, then the level of your humility afterwards is often far, far better than before the sin. The arrogance of the one who doesn't sin or make a mistake is not comparable, and certainly the repentance and the iman, the istighfar, the connection to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when a person makes a mistake and connects to Allah, is something which in itself is very powerful. That does not justify now people going out to sin. What it justifies is for us to seek repentance and istighfar more, and, and not to make judgment upon the fact that if someone falls into a mistake, that is something that this person is worse. No, it's not possible for that person to be worse. And I've spoken about this uh, uh, thing. And he says, and there's some really nice points, statements that we should just finish with here. He goes, Allah, Allah is wise, and sometimes He will trial a person with sin to purify him. And sometimes He will afflict a person with sin so that his condition becomes better. That can sometimes happen in the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just like a person will. Uh, uh, afflict a person with hunger um, in order to sort out his health, in order to make him more appreciative of food. In or- there are certain things that a person sees as negative, but afterwards, of course, it turns into a positive. So then it turns into a positive. Um, so in, 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 in conclusion, mankind sins and they can often not be forgiven and they continue in it. Whereas prophets, they can make a mistake, but they will not be allowed to continue. They are forgiven, but they also must make tawbah. They are also obliged to make tawbah as well, even though they're forgiven, even though they are not turning into any very serious mistakes. 
Um, and that's it. That's it uh, for this lesson because I think we've done quite a lot there and we went on quite long. The Janazah thing I covered before, the Hanbalis, by the way, they said that, uh, uh, that there is no Subhanakallahumma uh, bihamdika or any kind of dua in Salatul Janazah. And that's the position of the majority. Okay? That you go straight into Alhamdulillah. Alright, questions from the crowd here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the question is, is that if you're in Salatul Maghrib and the, the Imam has, is leading the prayer, finished Fatiha, now starts the Surah, do you recite along with the Surah? The answer is no. Even reciting the Fatiha, okay, you should not recite it. Only the only Imam Shafi'i, and we're going to come to this, uh, only Imam Shafi'i says you need to recite the Fatiha, and even that has got to be in a way that it doesn't go competing with the Prophet ﷺ. Right? So no, you don't recite anything. You listen and you follow. You listen and you follow. Second question? Yeah, so, so like we said, if a person's in the second raka'ah and about to stand up, but goes on after Abduhu Rasulu and then says, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad, whether they're by themselves or whether they are uh, praying behind an imam, then they do not need to make sajda uh afterwards. Allah knows best. Okay? Right. Does the spelling of the name have an effect on the personality? <laughs> In fairness, she did say that it's out of, out of uh, off topic, which is fine, which is fine. The spelling, I don't know. Why is that picture looking so horrible, by the way, she said to him? <laughs> what have you done to me? Yeah, it's, it's a lot. it's you. You paused it. No, 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 wait a minute. Why were you pausing me anyway? I don't want it to play there when, you know, it doesn't need to play there. Tell me why not. Give me one reason why not. Right. Okay. Does the spelling of the name have an effect on the personality? I think it will, yeah. Obviously, because it's, it's, you're dealing with people. People see a name spelled in a certain way, you know, and they start making fun of it for because of what it yani, could you know, be interpreted as, depending upon culture or whatever, whatnot. Heba, you're destroying this lesson, you know that, yeah? Yeah. It's very naughty, isn't it, Heba? It's very naughty, isn't it? Yeah. So I think you should sit back on this bench very nicely, very quietly. Yep, that's it. Good girl. Okay? All right. Right, so, yeah, I don't think, uh, but there's no spiritual issue there. So there's no spiritual, yeah, nothing from Allah, but I mean, from a modern day political point of view, yes, no doubt, society. Is that just a name or just a spelling? Spelling, spelling. Uh, definitely. There are a lot of people, for example, that, that I mean, it's, it's uh, listen, it becomes, it, 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 it depends how far you want to take it, because it can get really, really silly. A lot of people, for example, have abandoned the name Lut, yeah? It's the name of a prophet because of what it's associated with. That's ridiculous, right? 
Um, but what do you do? No one's going to call their name that, that. And so there, there you go. There are people in this country, a lot of people in this country, they don't call their kids Musa because they know that they're going to be called Moose in school. Right? Because everyone cuts the first two syllables, three syllables, always gets cut to one syllable. What does the one syllable say? So that's why I say that the spelling does have an impact because it's of the culture. No one's going to call your kid Moose in a Muslim country because they don't have that concept of nicknames being cut to the first kind of, you know, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So there's no doubt that there's impact and, and, and that, that, that when you're choosing a name for your child, the, the, the decision process now is much more than just the hadith that say Abdurrahman, Abdullah, the best names, that the names of the prophets are, is more than that. It's got to be about keeping parents happy. It's got to be about protecting uh, heritage, ethnicity, uh, race. Yani, uh, all of that is, is valid reasons, especially in a country where you can see people are not saying certain things, whatever. Uh, so the question is, is that, is there any evidence to suggest that if you give a child a good name, that they benefit from the name? According to the statements of our scholars, yes. They all say that. Is there a hadith which indicates, yani, the direct correlation? Not direct. Indirect, no doubt. There's no doubt that if you follow the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ with a desire to be rewarded, that it's going to have a better impact than not following the sunnah. How far that goes, who knows? That's going to be down to the child. There's no doubt about that. Because otherwise, if we said that just naming a child the right name is going to make them thinky, I mean, that's, that's as ridiculous as saying that, you know, the people who are Quraysh and are Sayyid, you know, you know how Pax love that, yeah? Right? Love that behavior. But they're worse than yani, the worst of the Abu Jahl yani, that, that are possible in that, in that family line. You know what I mean? It's a bit rough to say to Sayyid, yani, you do right. You're, you're, you're more of an Abu Jahl than the Prophet Sallallahu But I mean, you know... <laughs> Yeah, something I don't like that. The new trend of you know spelling the child's name Noah or Abraham or whatever. I don't like that, but it's not impermissible. It's not haram. It's not haram, but it's it's. I, I, I'm not a fan of it. I'm not a fan of it. Yeah, I've also heard of a case where um, the parents have named a child, name of, a, uh, of an of an angel. So Mikhail, yeah. and then they've decided later to change it yeah. because they think it would change his behavior. Change his behavior? Yeah. Well, first they don't think that they should they, that they you should name a child after uh, an angel. You mean they realize that? Yeah. Yeah. So that's the reason they should change the name. I also ask people to do that because you shouldn't name the children after angels. Mm-hmm. And if Yani it's young, then you you go ahead. And if it's old and it's too late, and that's a subjective thing that par- you know families deal with, then you don't change it. It's fair enough. But change behavior, I don't think there's an issue there. I don't think the uh, think the uh, positions there. Uh, Masood, Salam, how you doing, bro? Uh, there's no doubt that Allahumma ba'id bainu bain khataya is the most authentic of the hadith of istiftah and the one that we should all focus on. But I also believe that Subhanakallahumma bihamdika yani ala tahqiq is hadith sahih. It is hadith sahih. Every illa in the hadith of subhanakallahumma bihamdika has a, uh, 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 has shawahid, has supporting narrations that would consider it. And I also want to say, Mas'ud, something important, that in the hadith of the, in, in hadith sciences, the amal of the people and the amal, the amal of uh, the scholars ha- has a real weight. It has a real weight. And uh, we should not ignore that, that power that the entirety of the nation and the scholar as a, the, the scholars have agreed upon subhanakallahumma 
as a as a as a dua. Uh, anyway, um, what did this line say? No, I'm the, the top one. What's that? What is your what if your name means Earth Angel? <laughs> What's going on here with all his name behavior? We've lost the plot. Can we come back any to the name uh, thing? Is let's just deal with the salah issues. Go to the bottom, Shaz. Astaghfirullah. Down to the bottom, Shaz. All right, that's it. Yeah. Where should the disabled person look during the salah? There's no difference in the ruling for disabled people, by the way. Neither mentally or physically disabled people. All the prayer is to be prayed exactly the same. The only ruling that changes is what they're not able to do. Simple as that. It's just that simple. There's no technical, they look somewhere else. No, they look exact. They pray, they do everything like a normal person who's able-bodied or not mentally ill or whatever. They do whatever and whatever they can't do is forgiven because of their disability, whether physical or mental. Uh, during, uh, what's going on? Right, during the Qiyam, same, same, same. Sajda, same, same, same. Everything the same. Okay? Uh, on LP, you mentioned Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not being like the creation, yet you went on to give a description similar to a human face, hand, but far superior. I thought we had no visual descriptions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Have I misunderstood this? Uh, or is there some truth from the Christian faith where they say that man was created in his image? Uh, absolutely, there is truth in that. Uh, uh, even the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that Adam, or this, this, the children of Adam, is in surah, the surah of Ar-Rahman. It is in the image of Allah in no narration and in the image of the most merciful. So these hadith are there and these are very difficult hadith. There's no doubt about it. They are hadith which some have made, uh, tried to understand and interpret. And most of them yani, gave a metaphorical meaning and some of them said yani, that in certain characteristics. Now let me just say first of all that uh, there is uh, what we say about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is what he says. Okay. It's very important to understand that Allah is nothing like us. I think everyone understands that at some level. But then the question, the question that comes up is at what level? So then if he's nothing like us, is he nothing, nothing like us? And what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does in the Quran is to connect with us via certain names and certain characteristics and descriptions that we can relate to. And that is in order for us to better understand him, not for us to reduce him to the human level. And so when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a face... We know what a face is. The face is something of honor. It's something which yani, is put forward. It's something which is respected. It's something which people feel yani, something for, towards. It, it, it represents the whole. When people in language say, I want the face, it represents the best. So there are certain connotations by the face. However, is the face of Allah like the face of human beings? None, not, not in any single way whatsoever. To, to, to suggest so is anthropomorphism. And that, of course, is something which is Greek and not Islamic at all. It has no absolute uh, uh, basis whatsoever. So, yes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a hand. Yes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a foot. Yes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will come on the day of judgment. And that coming and going is a physical movement which we only give to ourselves, or the descending and the ascending of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We understand that in theory, but the manner in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does it is something that we don't understand. That is the aqidah of the Sunni Muslims. And yes, so in answer to your question, there is some kind of uh, parity in characteristics like that, uh, uh, whether it's been mentioned by the Christians or whoever with religious traditions. In ours, it's very much like that, but what we're very careful is to say that there's no human form, that there's no human similarity. Now, the other question you ask is, what does it mean to say that God has created mankind in his image? This is actually interesting because it comes back to the hadith we were talking about, about the, the UFC, 
Okay, one of the hadith mentioned that Allah has created Himself, Adam, in His image. Therefore, avoid the face. Therefore, avoid the face. So that this, uh, uh, when it comes to fighting or when it comes to uh, punishment, you should avoid the face because the face itself is seen as the honor and the respect and whatever. So, uh, in actual fact, what is being described in this hadith is not that Allah has, you know, eyes and nose and this like that. Uh, uh, in this manner, but rather that the f- the face of the human is honored, just like Allah subhanahu wa taala is honored. Yani that this is the 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 most important aspect. Just like yani when we say we want to seek the face of Allah, it means yani the pure pleasure of Allah, the happiness of Allah, to be sincere towards Allah subhanahu wa taala. So it's the most important, the the, the choice yani aspect. So that's maybe a little bit of an explanation. Um, Rehan says that on the issue of silence, I could never get my head around it because it's so difficult to have absence of thought. So either you are thinking about something or, the, or about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or your mind's going to go to dunya. Absolutely. I, I was saying, yani, uh, in Pakistan, I was giving a class in Pakistan and I was saying that, you know, because the majority of people are, are, are Hanafis and there's a few that are not. Yani, Hanafis are champs. You know what I mean? People just got to take their hats off to these, these boys. They have, they have maintained themselves for 1300 years, yani, uh, standing in prayer, in absolute silence. I want you to imagine that. Can you imagine that? Alana Kassan blows my mind. I couldn't do it for one prayer. And they've been knocking that bad boy out every single day, every single month, every single year, for donkey's years, just standing behind him, saying nothing. How do you survive? Kassan, how do you survive? You'd give up after a couple of, you know, a couple of goes. But they come back, Smacking it, massage it full, this, that, whatever, all stand there, tuck, 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 up and down. You've got to give them some respect for that. Because it's, it's, as he says, it's impossible. It's, it's, it's this murder. It's so hard, subhanAllah. So hard. Anyway, uh, Ruhi says, in ruku' and sujood, can I combine multiple masnoon dua after the tasbih? Or is it best to choose between them between them, and supplement with additional multiples of tasbihat uh, uh, on dua? No, Ruhi is all of that. Everything that you just said. It is tasbihat, multiples, with your own dua, and then masnoon dua at the same time, or masnoon dua only, sunnah dua only, with some tasbihat. Yani it's, yani in these issues, we, we have evidences enough to suggest that combinations are okay, and using some sometimes and other, other times to fit the mood, to make the prayer more real, is also uh, good. I met up with sisters in need, and one of them does not speak well and usually calls a Muslim a munafiq. What should I do? Run a mile. <laughs> that's some dangerous behavior. I'm sorry, I can't think of a, a, an answer to that because that's dangerous behavior, man. Stay well away. Oh, sugar, Solange. Sol is earth and Ange is angel. Solange. That's what I would have thought. But, uh, anyway. <laughs> Solange, don't worry about that, bro. Don't worry about what your name means or doesn't mean. Yeah, I mean. But me. <laughs> <laughs> Solange, Lala, Pirsab, Usman, Ashraf, Amir, Kubaraka, he said, change your name to Parveen. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's so haram. Allah Azim is so haram. Is you're full on. You're like full on. You are speed limit exceeded. Haram. 
full on haram. Bro, you lost weight. Why you look cut, bro? MashaAllah. All these brothers are looking at you thinking, Raz. They want to know the number of the personal trip. How much are you paying that person? No, Kansas, man. No, Kansas, yeah. Right. Uh, yes, bro. No, we said that, Yani, we think that it's better that a person only says one. Only chooses one according to the, the mood, Yani. Yeah. You know the great thing about the winter period? Now, by the way, we're all, everyone online, this is now the set time now. That's it. We're done now. 8.20 all the time. What's happening here, you know? What have you done here? Oh, there we go. The great thing is, is that now we can really enjoy our sweets. Not have to worry about uncles. Not have to worry about yani people giving us a hard time. Yep. And people not yani sharing and this and that, whatever. We can actually... Rah, this has gone mixed. I like the idea of mixed. Together. Although, I know I'm going to miss watermelon. Right, what's the next question? I've been called dude before, but bro, that's the first. Solange, you're a bro, man. You're a older bro. Right. So, what's the next question? Now's a good time to ask questions because now I'm feeling comfortable. Is there anything in when you're in sujood? Mm-hmm. Who's asking? Sujood, yeah. Is there anything in sujood that, um, is there like, are you not allowed to recite Quran? Or? Correct, yeah. No Quran in sujood. Okay. And what, what's the... Hadith. Yeah. So, during Taraweeh, is it permissible to stay silent and reflect on the recitation? You are silent. In Jama'ah, you're, you're, you're listening. So yeah, you should be, yeah. If you regularly, can you read Quran? No, don't read Quran in the Fard prayer. Don't touch the Quran in the Fard prayer. If you regularly pray Sunnah Muakkadah, but due to an illness, only pray your Fard for a while. No, you do not need to make up the Miss Sunnah prayer once you've recovered. Give us a Hajj discount. It's not my company, bro. Is that because I said six grand? It won't be six grand, inshallah. I don't think it'll be, huh? <laughs> don't say it'll be more. Shut up, it'll be more. Oh, I mean, it'll be more if we change the whole thing, you know, to like that side. Group 8 VIP side. And have shawarma in Muzdalifah and whatever. Did you see the picture? So, Dar es Salaam had a menu, full on menu for Muzdalifah, bro. Bro, I'm telling you that menu was all French, you know, like le bouffe de blah, 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 blah. Shaz was like, you know what I mean? She said that? What's happening, Yara? Really? Alright, okay. Rafi, when you say the reference for other istiftahat, that will be in the transcribed notes and references as well, okay? No Quran in sujood. So yeah, I said this before. A person wants to say Rabbana atina fid dunya, you change Rabbana to Allahumma. Okay, so when you're in sajda or in ruku'a, you should say Allahumma atina fid dunya hasana, not Rabbana atina. Same meaning, and you then avoid calling it about Quran. Wadad said, tell us more about Uzbekistan. This is referring to the email. Did everyone see the email that I sent today? So, so the short answer is that it's not been confirmed. The exact plan. We are going to Bukhara, we're going to Samarkand, we're going to uh, Tashkent, we're going, we, we are trying to arrange for it to go to Tirmiz as well. 
And of course, as anyone knows from Hadith point of view, these are all of the homes and the birthplaces and the, 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 the epoch of Hadith studies of the major scholars of Hadith. And so we're going to be following that Silk Road, which was a, a, a road originally of knowledge, but then became a road of trade, or maybe the other way around, in fairness. And at each point when we go, we're going to be obviously sharing reflections and so on. And it's a, it's a, it's a holiday at the end of the day with Islamic benefits. That's what the plan is. Myself and Yasser Qadi will be leading it. The date is June 15th. No, it's not 15th. There's going to be a conference here. Uh, uh, what's it called? What's that conference called? Losing my religion? It is, bro. <laughs> That conference is on the 22nd and 23rd. This trip is going to be on the weekend after Eid. Yes, 7th, leaving on the 7th, coming back on the 16th. But it's not fully, uh, uh, the, the program is not done yet. No details released yet, no website. Won't be. I'm just saying that if people want to go to that kind of thing, then uh, you guys can take that if you want. On the on the on the thing, the World Cup. Yeah, man. I, uh, I knew the World Cup's getting in the way, man. Pakistan versus India. Yeah, always rubbish in one day. We battered them in test, bro. You know, Muhammad Abbas. You know, I was watching him bowl, yeah. Mashallah. You know, watch him. All you think is Vernon Vernon Fernandez in terms of action today, but Muhammad Asif from Aula. By the way, it's not his first game. He's been bowling for donkey's years. Oh. Muhammad Abbas. Yeah. Right. Anyone else? We done? Jack and Allah.